Welcome to Breakthrough Cocktail. We're mixing up happiness, good life skills, and adding a dash of improv to help you live an awesome life. Please give it up for your breakthrough mixologist, Gary Ware. Welcome to another episode of Breakthrough Cocktail. I'm Gary, your host, and today I have the lovely Sarah Shire from Compassionate. Welcome, Sarah. Hi. Thank you, Gary. I'm happy to be here. Awesome. Sarah, she runs a company called Compassionate, where she helps people learn about compassion education, and they sell these awesome bracelets here so that you can just be reminded about compassion on a daily basis, and we'll talk about that in a minute. Uh, But Sarah, if you could just... Give us a brief overview of of what the company is. Of Compassionate? Yes. Compassionate is a global social movement and a nonprofit organization. And our mission is to create compassionate actions and attitudes daily. So what's really unique about Compassionate is we sell a product that creates compassionate actions and attitudes. And it's this wristband, which looks like any other wristband you might see, like Livestrong or... Um, for breast cancer awareness, but it's unique because it actually creates action. You start in the morning setting your intention by putting the dark side out, and then when you do your compassionate action of the day, you get to flip it over. So it acts as like a reward and a reminder to be compassionate every day. Awesome. So compassion, have you always wanted to spread compassion? Just tell our listeners about how this all got started. Yeah, it's kind of a crazy story, and it's somewhat long, so I'll try to keep it brief if possible. But uh, back in, no, the answer, the short answer is no. Um, I have not always been passionate about compassion. This is something that just appeared in my mind in 2008. I was going through the most difficult time of my life. I was facing an unwanted divorce. My daughter was 18 months old, and I was a stay-at-home mom taking care of her, trying to figure out what life was going to be like now that it's really changed a lot for me. And I was watching an Ellen episode, and she was interviewing the author Wayne Dyer, who was speaking about compassion. He said compassion is the most important thing to teach our children, that if we can teach kids to put themselves in another's shoes, we would solve every social problem on the planet. No more hunger, no more war, you name it, it's gone. So I couldn't stop thinking about compassion that day and um, those statements were so powerful to me and that evening the word compassionate in my mind became two words compassionate and I was like that's so cool it's like google it or yeah. just do it right it makes compassion a verb yeah so I googled it to see if, <laughs> like, if it existed and it didn't and I was like wow um, that's amazing I can see this as a bumper sticker so I started the trademarking process just for stickers and magnets, thinking that's all it would be. Uh, but I didn't do anything. I didn't design it. I did nothing with it for three years. I got my own life back on track. I went back to work. Um, and then a couple years ago, I just really felt this desire to share this message with the world. And it went from being a sticker company to a t-shirt company to very quickly, within a few months, uh, becoming a global social movement thanks to the wristbands. So, let's get into that. Uh, yeah. It sat on the shelf for three years and yeah. you got your life back together. Yes. And at what point, what was that pivotal moment when you decided, you know what, I'm on the right track, but I just need to tweak it slightly. And how did it become to where it is? So, when I introduced Compassionate again as a sticker, and then thinking it would be a t-shirt company. 
this could be like life is good, right? Yeah. Compete with them. And I just it was I was had this feeling in my gut that this was bigger than a brand. This needed to be the way people lived their lives. So I have a really wise friend um, who's in marketing who said, if you want this to be a movement, you need to sell something cheaper than a $30 organic t-shirt. You should sell a wristband. And I initially was like, that's a terrible idea. Those are lame. Like, I've never <laughs> worn a Lindstrom bracelet before. I wouldn't be caught dead in one. Like, forget it. But then that evening, that same day, that evening, I had this idea in my mind, huh, I wonder if I could find a reversible one that could create action. And so I found one and we ordered, you know, lean startup style, we ordered a thousand. We always pair them up so that you wear one and share one. And we had 500 pairs and they were sold out within 42 minutes when we launched. Wow. And then it's just been going ever since. So and that was so two awesome. years ago. That's great. And not only do you run a website, you also teach about compassion. Can you tell yes, about that story? I do, I do. So obviously I kind of got passionate about compassion <laughs> with all of this. And the more I learned about it, the more fascinated I became because compassion makes us happier, it makes us healthier, and there are all these benefits to being compassionate. And of course I also believe that it can solve the world's social problems. So I found out about a program at Stanford University um, they were looking to train teachers to teach an eight-week course that they had created called Compassion Cultivation Training. And I was fortunate enough to get accepted into the teacher training program. And so now I teach an eight-week course called Compassion Cultivation Training. And it's really, it's my favorite thing to do. I teach at the UCSD Center for Mindfulness. I've taught at Kaiser. Uh, I'll be teaching at Balboa Hospital in January. and. I'm, I'm going to teach it to as many people as I can. So what does this course entail? What sort of things are taught during this compassion training? Yeah, it's a meditation-based course. So Stanford really wanted to find a way to cultivate compassion because uh, they've done all this research showing the benefits of compassion. Well, how do we cultivate that in our society? And if you look back, Tibetan Buddhists have been working on this for thousands of years. So they hired the Dalai Lama's senior translator, Uptin Jinpa, as a resident scholar to create this eight-week program. So it's based off of Tibetan Buddhism, but they did remove the Buddhism. It's a, it's a universal course that anyone can feel comfortable taking, but it's meditation-based, so we're really training our brains through meditation to recognize that all people are just like me. Everyone wants to be happy. Everyone wants to be free from suffering. So we go, it's a step-by-step -step, uh, program that really teaches us to interact with the world in this way, recognizing that we're all the same. Well, and so just diving into compassion now, Yeah. what does it mean to have compassion? If someone is looking to be more compassionate, yeah. it just, you hear it everywhere, but what... Right, what is, is compassion? Yes. So uh, compassion, the... Like standard definition is recognizing suffering and then doing something to alleviate suffering. Okay, and if you look at the Latin roots, compassion means with suffering or suffer with. So you're you're not running away. Oftentimes, when we're in the presence of suffering, we want to run the other way or we want to pretend it's not there. Right? We don't know how to be present with suffering because we can get overwhelmed and it's not comfortable. So compassion. When you're compassionate, 
you can sit with suffering and then do something to help relieve that suffering. Now, suffering kind of sounds like this big word, right? Like, how does that, how, I mean, I don't face suffering every single day. How can I be compassionate every day? And a key element that I try to share is that if you really think about it, everybody's suffering in some way. We're all worried about something. We're all, our minds are rarely always in the present moment. So there's a good bet that every single person you come into contact with is suffering in some way. So even if you just smile a little bit bigger at a stranger than you normally would, or perhaps that cashier at the grocery store if you ask them how they're doing, and really just connect with people as, as, a, as a human being, um, that's compassion. Great. And you mentioned for this course there's a lot of meditation linked into mm-hmm. it. Can you speak a little bit about how this meditation and compassion goes hand in hand? Yes, so and that reminds me, so Stanford kind of has a four-step definition of compassion or process, and the very first step is awareness of suffering. So that really brings in this mindfulness component. So meditation helps us train ourselves to be here in the present moment. And um, when we meditate, we work on that. And the first step of compassion is this awareness. So if we're in our own mind, on our phones all the time, or we let, we're letting our minds spin, we don't even recognize that there's suffering. Right? So this first step is awareness. And then after we're aware of suffering, we feel something. We have this feeling of empathy, right? We can feel what that person's feeling. Uh, and then the third step, after you feel that, there's some in- inside of you, there's this motivation to see relief from the suffering. And then the fourth step, is taking action. So compassion isn't compassion unless there's this action element to it to try to help this person. So um, meditation, I think we asked, how does meditation, how is that part of it? Well, first, it's just creating this awareness, so learning how to be present and aware. And then after that, we do these visualization exercises that help us learn what compassion feels like. What does compassion for a loved one feel like? How do we have compassion for ourselves? That's a big element as well. And then we start expanding that compassion out through these meditations, um, having compassion for difficult people or neutral people that we see every day but we don't know. And it's, again, meditation just trains our mind. So it's like, I think about it like a lot of athletes do visualization techniques to prepare for sporting events, right? Like I remember an, an interview by Martina Navratilova, where she always, she talked about all the visualizations she would do. She never, ever worried about the person on the other side of the net. She always imagined her side of the net and how she would handle different situations, whether it was raining or windy or if the ball's coming here or there, she would practice in her mind. So then when it happened, she she was there. She knew how to handle it. And that's what meditation, it's the same thing. We're practicing in our mind how to have compassion for these other people that are difficult that we don't normally think about. And then we work that way when we're with it, when we actually are there, we can do it because we've been practicing. And that's how meditation helps. Does that make sense? Yeah, that does make sense. It's very helpful. And so if someone's looking to get more into meditation, because I know I've talked to a lot of people that say meditation's hard, can you give just some simple exercises that they can do just to get them to start getting used to the whole idea of being present? Yeah. It just seems like it's overwhelming. 
It could, and it, and it can be. Um, and I didn't meditate until I started my program at Stanford two years ago, so I'm new at this as well. And I didn't. I've been doing yoga for years, and I thought meditation was something different than what I've been taught. So, meditation isn't this idea where you like clear your mind, right? Like I always thought, oh, meditation means that I clear my mind. I'm terrible at it because I can't do that. Yeah. No, that's not what we're doing here. We're trying to train our mind. Our minds wander because we're human. It's just what they do. They're wired to wander. So. But when we're wandering, oftentimes that creates anxiety and stress. So what we want to do is pay attention to the wandering mind and bring it back. So that's why I focus like trying to pay attention to your breath. So, uh, you know, a simple exercise, you could just sit for five minutes, set a timer for five minutes and just breathe. And you can pay attention to how the breath feels in your nostrils for one. Or you can um, say the words inhale, exhale in your mind. Exhale. Guess what? After 10 seconds, your mind's going to wander because you're human again. But then you notice that and you bring it back. When you notice that your mind has wandered, you say, Oh, wait, I'm meditating. Inhale, exhale, inhale, exhale. There it goes again. It's just a simple exercise of bringing it back to the breath. And that over time, that helps create um, a brain that's better able to stay in the present moment. So I think even just a five minute breathing exercise would be huge people could start there and then yeah and then a mind some mindfulness exercises that you can do i like to do this sometimes when i'm driving it's just really pay attention to what i'm feeling what i'm saying right so I'm, i don't know about you but sometimes when i'm driving i'm on autopilot <laughs> yeah it's kind of scary actually yeah um but you know i'll pay attention how does the steering wheel feel on my hands and what's the air feel like from the air conditioning and Anytime you're really just paying attention to how your body feels, the air on you, or what you're seeing, that's being present, right? So you can do that while you're driving. Um, When you're washing your hands, that's another simple exercise. Just pay attention to how the soap feels and like what you're rubbing, what you're feeling. And washing your hands can become a, a much more pleasant experience if you're doing it mindfully and really paying attention to it. Taking a, shower, a mindful shower is a really nice thing to do too. So there's kind of these like mind, just brief mindfulness exercises that aren't even meditation based that people can do to introduce that element. Um, there's a study. I wish I knew the study, and I'm, I'm never supposed to say talk about a study if I don't know the details of who wrote it and where it's done. But I'm going to talk about it. Um, there's a study that shows pretty recent study that shows that people that are doing anything mindfully, even if it's like cleaning the toilet, if you're doing it mindfully, it's better than doing something awesome. Like you're having a better experience doing anything mindfully than doing something awesome if you're not mindful. Yeah, that does make sense. Yeah, yeah, because you're present, right? Right. So you can be on this epic like trip or on a boat somewhere amazing and you know have your mind spinning. Or you can be washing the dishes and mindful in that, and, and you're you're going to be happier when you're mindfully washing the dishes. I'm never going to wash my hands. This is this is going to be a new experience. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so this has been very helpful. I know for myself, and I know our listeners are really going to appreciate this. And if you can. Because I remember you had once told me just about the whole mind wandering, and that's human nature. And can you talk about why that was? I found yeah. it very fascinating on why our minds sort of wander. I agree. I thought this was fascinating when I learned it too. 
um, this human mind that we have, uh, we can blame our ancestors for it, really. So if you think back about cavemen, right, they were any mindful cavemen who were like looking at the babbling brook and noticing the rocks and, you know, paying attention to the sound, they weren't really thinking about the big, huge animal that's hiding behind the tree that would eat them, right? So the mindful cavemen wouldn't survive. The, the cavemen that were, like, worried, like, oh, crap, there might be a big cat behind the tree. I better, like, pay attention. Or I remember yesterday when so-and-so got eaten by, <laughs> by you know, a saber-toothed tiger or whatever. You know, I'm not going to let that happen to me, right? So the ones that were thinking, worrying and, like, thinking ahead and paying attention, they survived. The mindful ones wouldn't, right? So we can blame them. So, you know, those are the brains that we have. So we don't really have huge cats hanging out behind trees ready to pounce on us and eat us. Yet we still have these minds that are very worried. It's a it's a survival uh, mechanism to our to our brains that we don't really need anymore. Gotcha. So that's that's so, why our brains do that. And this can train our brains to be more present. Yes. Turn off that mind. Yeah, and you're not gonna turn it off. Completely. Yeah, I mean, you won't. Yeah. It's and if we we have to recognize it, this is human. This is what we do, but we can notice it and more easily come back to the present moment. And we're creating these pathways in our brains that allow meditation helps strengthen. It's like tra- going to the gym for your brain and strengthening those connections, so you're better e- able to come back to the present moment the more you So helpful. And the last question before we take our quick break. So now we've been practicing mindfulness and meditation, and now jumping into the whole gratitude. Uh, You had mentioned you can be grateful for yourself and grateful for others. Can you give us a few tips on just simple things that we can do to be more grateful for ourselves and show compassion for ourselves and show compassion for others? So compassion or compassion? Compassion. That's okay. I'm like, wait, I can talk about gratitude too. Yeah, yeah. So self-compassion. is huge, and I really try to make sure people know that it's you have to have compassion for yourself before you can really be compassionate for others. So this is this is mind blowing for me, and I think a lot of us in our culture don't show compassion for ourselves. We beat ourselves up if we do anything wrong, right? And we think, well, that's how I'm going to continue to succeed. Like if I let myself slide every time I mess up. I'm never going to do well. I'm not going to be, I'm not going to achieve goals. And that's not true at all. And what we need to do is treat ourselves like we would treat friend. So a simple practice is just kind of changing. When, you, when you're, notice, first of all, notice how you are treating yourselves and pay attention to the voice that you use. And think, would I say that to my friend? If I ever mess up on anything and, it, and a friend of mine would do the same, would I say to her what I'm saying to myself? Probably not. I would probably say to her, you know what, you're human. You tried your best. You'll learn from this. But you're awesome. But how often do I say that to myself? Right? So that, to me, just start paying attention to that practice of, of how you talk to yourself and treat yourself the way you treat and there's some amazing research that shows that people with self-compassion are more productive, and they kind of own their mistakes, 
it's it's a great skill to nurture. So. Cool, that's been helpful. Thank and you. we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to jump right into the lake. Oh, awesome. Okay. To kick off the launch of the Breakthrough Cocktail Podcast, we are throwing a contest. I'm giving away some of my favorite books that will help you level up your life. Also, one lucky winner will get a chance to join me at an exclusive Mastermind event here in San Diego in December 2014. To learn more and to enter, go to www.breakthroughcocktail.com slash launch dash contest. Good luck. Hey, Breakthrough Cocktailers. I want to take a moment and tell you about Compassionate. Compassionate is a global social movement and nonprofit that strives to make compassion a verb. It was started by my friend Sarah Shire, and her mission is to inspire you to take daily compassion actions. How does she do this? It's with her compassionate wristband. You start the day on the black side, and when you compassionate, you flip it to the white side. The wristband is only $10, and the funds go towards compassion training all over the world. To buy yours today, go to www.compassionate.com. P-A-S-S-I-O-N-I-T dot com. And we are back. I am here with Sarah, Compassionate, and we're going to jump into the lightning round. But before we do, it wouldn't be a breakthrough cocktail podcast without a refreshing beverage of some sort. And today, (laughs) we have a very delicious mango coconut water concoction that I actually got from Scott Belsky of Behats. I subscribed to his quarterly box, and it came with coconut water and a few recipes. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, and so I modified it a little bit uh, to have, I'll put the recipe in the show notes, but it's essentially seltzer water, coconut water, mango, and crushed ice, and it's a great drink. It hydrates you, and it's really good on a hot summer day. It is. It's perfect. Thank you. Cheers. Cheers. (laughs) All right, the lightning round. Uh, so we're going to dive right into it. Okay. First question is, when you were a kid, who did you want to be when you grew up? I wanted to be a snail. So good. And you actually do a little bit of that now, right? Yes, it's crazy. So a month and a half ago, I sort of an opportunity fell on my lap, and now I'm in a local band in San Diego. Great. So yeah. We'll have to get links to that. We'll yeah. that. Thank you. Speaker in reverse is going to be Great. Cool. Next question is, how do you stay productive? What do you, you have so much stuff going on between teaching and compassionate and singing and your daughter. How do you just juggle all of that and keep your sanity? Do you have any tips? Uh, yes. So I start off the day with meditation and that helps me stay focused. And then I have just some really great systems. I use a program called Asana, A-S-A-N-A, that is like a project management tool that's online that keeps me on track with what I need to be working on. Um, I do a brain dump every week where I just kind of let everything out and I can, it allows me to sort of zoom out and I create space with that. Um, I keep a really good calendar. I just, I also just started, um, I have an inbox, inbox every day. So every email has a home. And I had 12,000 emails in my inbox. Yeah. I wasn't doing a good job finding them. And um, now I really stay on top of it. I don't let email take over my life. It doesn't make 
Since you're into music, mm-hmm. if you could create the soundtrack of your life, can you name three songs that would have to be on? I thought about this, and I think the, the three songs that I would choose would be Mercy by Dave Matthews Band, because it's about, not really, it's about compassion. I love that song. And then the song Happy, oh, yeah. which I know everybody yeah. plays and it's overplayed, but I still love it, and I love dancing to it, and my daughter and I love to dance to that song. Another song would be uh, Carolina in My Mind by James Taylor because I went to school in Chapel Hill with Carolina and always a little piece of me is this song. Good. Good. So we have two more questions. Okay. Um, question number one is Are there any ask, um, sort of affirmation reports that you like to make in your life? There are many. If you could just many, maybe. but I'll I'll think of the one yes. I, the one that I should sign all my emails with, uh, which I think is very inspiring and funny, um, and it's by the Dalai Lama. He said, "If you think you are too small to make a difference, try sleeping with a mosquito." Yeah. 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 So that just keeps me inspired because I think many times we can think, "I'm just one person. What can I do?" But I'm Last question is, if you can give our listeners one action that they can do today just to help them find their passion and live an awesome life. Um, I think that the tips here. Uh, before we sign off, Sarah, how can we get in touch with you? Tell us, um, share some links or some yeah. things that we can do just to keep in touch. Awesome. Well, First Compassionate is on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram, so we would love for you to follow that. And it's Compassionate.it. And of course, our website, www.compassionate.com. If you can sign up for our newsletter, that would be awesome. Awesome. Well, Sarah, thank you so much for coming on the show. I know the listeners are going to appreciate all of the actionable tips that you gave. And yeah, just I really appreciate it. Thank you, Gary. It was awesome. Thanks so much, man. Great. And to the listeners, that concludes another episode of Breakthrough Cocktail. Stay awesome. We'll see you next time.
Bye. You've been listening to Breakthrough Cocktail. If you liked what you heard, be sure to visit www.breakthroughcocktail.com forward slash newsletter to sign up for the insider newsletter. As a subscriber, you'll get instant access to exclusive content and frequent doses of happiness. See you there. Until then, stay awesome. Stay awesome.